0: Stand with me, if you will, for the reading of God's word. We'll be in Galatians chapter 5 today, verses 16 through 25. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 25. And these, are, of course, are the words of the Apostle Paul. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outburst of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envy and drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no wall. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Lord, bless your word. Multiply it to our hearts. Help us to hear from you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Does anybody remember when they first came out with uh, Diet Pops? You may remember the first one was what, Tab? Tab? Uh, was it good or bad? It was very right. Remember that the first diet pops, and and then they started with the, um, the I think it was saccharin became the the better sweetener, and it, it was a little bit better. I can remember I had, um, I I could drink diet seven up, and it, it wasn't too bad. And they began to improve, and even now, you know, like diet coke is, you know, it's 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 a lot better than it used to be. But can we admit that? Coke is sweeter than Diet Coke, right? You know, it's you know there's something about the sweetness that you lose with with these artificially flavored drinks. And, and then even they're starting this trend now where they're starting to use real sugar. You had any of the real sugar pops? You know, they're they're really good. I know in Guatemala uh, we had Seven Up, and Seven Up was just better in Guatemala because it's real sugar, and you can taste the difference. And it's so awesome. Uh, some of the, yeah, it's awesome. That's a spiritual word. Theologically, it means very good. Um, but, but we had, at one of the places we went, or several of the places, they had like real sugar on the table. And, you know, I'm not somebody that puts sugar in coffee and stuff, but I had to put that sugar in because it was so good. It was so good, I wanted to put my whole face in it. But, <laughs> but they frowned on that kind of stuff, so I didn't. You know, genuine stuff is better than fake stuff. Can you say genuine is better? Say that with me. Genuine is better. And it's true with sugar and things like that, but it's also true in life. We want things to be authentic and real and genuine. We, we don't want fake friendships. We don't want fake relationships. We, we don't want a marriage that's, that's fake and surface, but we want real things. We don't want a church that's fake and just pretend, but we want a church that's, that's really the church. That Real relationships take place, real forgiveness happens, where, where we really do life together, where we're really growing in, in Christ. And we've been re- working through this ideal of authenticity and, and authentic things and, and genuine things. And, and we've been using this phrase, to live authentic lives, we must be authentic. In other words, if we want reality to surround our life, it begins with with. Me. It begins with you. It doesn't begin with surrounding ourselves with what's real and genuine and authentic, but it begins with making yourself authentic. And then the relationships that you surround yourself with can become, begin to become authentic as well. So to live authentic lives, we must be authentic. And the good news is that God's desire for you is that you be authentic, that you be real. Jesus said, I am the, the truth. The way, the truth, and the life. And this word, truth, means reality. And it means being real. It means being authentic. Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And so implicit in this, inherent in this, is this ideal of really living life that matters, where our relationships are real, where our love is real, where our, our spirituality is real, where the jobs that we go to have some meaning, where our friendships have meaning, where, where, when we serve in places with, with a sense of urgency and purpose. And we've been tracing this to the ideal or the, the, the reality of the Holy Spirit, the, the personality of the Holy Spirit. And, and we find that authenticity is found through relationship with the Holy Spirit. In other words... Like deep down, everybody has this desire that they live these real, genuine, authentic lives. And the key to this is a relationship that we can have. Through the personality of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, God sent Jesus and Jesus died so that you could be forgiven from your sins. And then God sent the Holy Spirit so that you can have a real personal relationship with your heavenly father through the personality of the Holy Spirit. So that his word can come alive so that you can begin to live lives that are real, authentic, powerful, genuine, whatever other words you want to use. I want you to know this morning, you were created for a relationship with others. And you were particularly created to have relationship with your heavenly father. We, we have this ancient story of, of creation in Genesis 1 and 2. And, and, and in this story, we, we begin to see that we are not accidents of nature. We are not a fluke of natural history, but we were Formed. We were created by an intentional creator with a plan in mind. So in Genesis 1, 26, uh, it says that God says, let us, plural, make man in our image according to our likeness. And, and I love this passage because God, who has ever existed in the confines of a loving relationship that we refer to as the trinity god has always existed in in relationship in the confines of the trinity god is love and you can't love but for other relationships right so god who has ever existed in the holy relationship in the midst of of the Trinity creates humankind with the same characteristics of the Trinity and this need to love and be loved. We were created for a relationship. You were created to be in relationship with other people. As a matter of fact, after Adam is created, God says when Adam's by himself, he says it's not good for man to be alone, and all you women say, "Amen." Right? It's not good to be alone. There is a need for significant relationship. Then in Genesis two, there's further detail, and you know Genesis one is it, 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 it's it's a poem, it's a song, which I always love. I'll be honest, I, I love the idea that when God begins to speak to humanity, He begins with a song. He begins with a poem. It's Jesus. Jesus on the Sermon in the Mount. Jesus begins his, his ministry. And you have blessed are the meek. You know all that? It's a song. It's a poem. I want you to know that our God has the heart of a poet. And he understands emotion. He understands all those things. Those aren't mistakes in us. But it reflects the image of our God. In Genesis 2, he begins... The story begins to become more detail-oriented, and, and it says in, in 2, Then the Lord God formed man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. And this word breath is, the original Hebrew word is nisma or nisma. It's, it's breath, it's closely associated with this word ruah, which is the spirit of God. In fact, in other portions of scripture, this word is translated spirit of God. And, and so there is this, in the creation story, there is this significant thing that, that tells us that humankind was created with the spirit. And it makes humankind different. Now, I've, I've come a long way in, in my appreciation for, for animals. We've always had animals, but, you know, I, some of you folks love your dogs more than you love me, and I understand that that's okay. But, but I have a great appreciation for animals because God has a great appreciation for animals. Read the Bible and read God's biblical account and read the book of Job and and, and God talks about the wonder of the animals that he's created. So, so don't get me as discounting animals. In, in heaven, in, in this new earth, there's this image of the lion laying down with the lamb. And you know, I, I know, you know whether your dogs are in heaven or not, I don't know. But the, 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 the Bible talks about animals being in heaven and the new earth. And so there's a value to these animals that God has created. But animals are different than humankind because we are created with the spirit. And that is that deep thing within us that, that calls us drives us to something more now i I can't get into the mind of your dog but most dogs don't lay around worrying about the future right (laughs) but we do because there's something deep down within us that realizes that there's something more I, i i think that's the meaning of the scripture in the psalms I think it's David says, deep cries out to deep. In other words, there's this deepness of God and deep within us, implanted within us is this desire for something more. You were created for relationship and you were created with a spirit. And it changes our essence. It changes who we are. It drives us. It gives us this spiritual component it moves us beyond just surface need people it moves us beyond the people who are satisfied with surface friendships you ever have that surface friendship that you never can talk about anything but the weather (laughs) now that's a lot to talk about in marysville because you can be like really hot and really cold and sometimes the same week and uh So, so, but but we want deeper relationships than that. You know, we we don't want our relationship to be based entirely on Ohio State, the Ohio State Buckeyes. Right? Nothing wrong with the Buckeyes, but if that's the depth of your conversation, there's not not much depth to that relationship. And so, there's something within us that, that desires deeper connecting relationships, friendships. We need deeper. We were created. You were created. I was created for a deep spiritual relationship with God. To to be authentically human, to to be real to who we were created to be, there, there is this deep down need for a real relationship with our heavenly father and there's this deep down need for real relationships with other people. It's within you. You were created with that. Now, sometimes, particularly when we talk about spiritual things, we settle for less. And and this morning, if you are settling for a form of religion as opposed to relationship, you are settling for less than what God has in mind for you and what will bring you satisfaction. Religion by itself will never satisfy the deep longing you have within your inner being. And See, that point was really good because you heard a bell. And the strangest thing, that's the first bell I've heard in 18 months. So that's a first good point. Write that one down, Meryl. We'll use that again. Sometimes we settle for less. In her book, God the Spirit... Beth Felker Jones, who's a Wesleyan theologian, refers to this phrase used by Christian Smith and Belinda Denton uh, with regard to the decreased spirituality with regard with younger folks. But I don't believe this is just younger folks. I believe this is across the board. That This is the spirituality of many in our country, and they call it moralistic therapeutic deism. (laughs) The moralism here is the widespread belief that God wants people to be nice, And that when they die, good people go to heaven. Nothing wrong with that. But if that's the depth of our spiritual walk, it's not very deep. The therapeutic aspect refers to a sense that the central goal of life is to be happy and feel good about oneself. And then finally, the deism refers to this sense that, that God is watching over the world from a distance and does not need to be particularly involved in one's life except when he's needed to resolve a problem. In other words, when, when we have an accident and we break our back, that's when we go to God. I mean, you know, when, when we go through a, a marriage split or when we have this happen or we have financial downturn or or. You know, a kid uh, rebels, then we go to God, but otherwise God is in heaven kind of watching us. You know, he wants us to be good, because when we're good, you get to go to heaven. He wants us to be happy, and, and, and he's kind of engaged, but not really engaged. I want you to understand that, that this misses the point, and, I, and I'm going to use, instead of the Christian religion, I'm going to use a different word. This misses the point of Christian spirituality. It misses the entire point of what God was doing in Pentecost through the giving of the Holy Spirit. The writer says this. She writes Life in the Spirit runs against the grain of popular spirituality, such as moralistic, therapeutic, deism. Life in the Spirit is a life in which we become the trees who bear the Spirit's good fruit, in which we are given gifts. For building up the community and in which we are sanctified, made loving as we are drawn in the love of the triune God. This is genuine spirituality. This is why Jesus came and died on a cross and suffered. This is why God raised Jesus from the dead. This is why God sent his Holy Spirit. Not to form another religion where people could could, come together in churches and build buildings and have budgets and do all these things that we do as a church, but God did all these things so that we could have this deep, spiritual, inner, real, genuine, authentic relationship with him. And it's what it means. When we say we are ordinary people following Jesus, that's what it means. It means we're just ordinary folks. and it's, it's not about a religion that we're following, but we're in a relationship with him. And in the confines of that relationship, he is leading us and guiding us to something better than this world has to offer. Authenticity, a genuine life, real life, abundant life, holiness, wholeness, shalom, peace. Whatever word you want to use is found through relationship with the Holy Spirit. The passage we read this morning contrasts these two ways, and it, it uses the deeds of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit and the, the new American standard uses deeds, but probably the translation uses using red works and, and I think that's better it's tra- it's the the, the works. Of the flesh and it's the the fruit of the spirit, and you begin to see the contrast just in those words. And I think Paul's setting on its head what we typically think, we always think it's it's work to follow God, and and Paul saying, No, it's fruit when you follow God, it's work when you try to do things on your own. Fruit is produced. By the inherent energy of a living organism. And and so you take this scripture in context and you you take the the word fruit and it's, it's organic, it's natural, it just flows from this relationship we have with God through the personality of the Holy Spirit. Now, in about three weeks, I'm running a marathon. And running is probably a loose term. I think I'll be lurching most of it. So yesterday I was out running and, you know, it's going to be, when I finish this thing, it's going to be a miracle of the highest order. Poets are going to write poems and song readers are going to write songs. The Lifetime Movie Channel has already contacted me about making a movie because you don't see many water buffaloes running marathons. Yesterday I was out doing some extended running, walking, and that's how I'll have to, I'll have to combine because I, I, I can't run that far. And Dave Eichhorn was out there. You guys know Dave? Dave's a runner. You know, I, I'm out there doing my plotting and here comes Dave by. You know, he's going like, it looks like he's using like one third of the motion and he's going three times as fast. I can't figure it out, you know. I'm not going to talk about your running, Terry. I thought about it, but I'll leave that out. Well, i got to share it now. <laughs> Terry did marching band. And so when she runs, she goes more up than out. So I'm somewhere in between Terry and Dave. And you look at people like that, and you go, oh, man, that's so natural. And I think that translates to our spiritual life, because I think sometimes we look at other folks and think this spirituality, this deep connection, that's for someone else. That's for somebody like you know, Nelson Perdue. Or that, that's for something like pastors do. That's what Christy Payne does. That's what Josh does. You know, that's, that's for professional spiritual people. That, that you know, it's, it, it's for people that, you know, it, but it's not for me. Paul sets this on his head. And Paul says, listen, when you're living for all these other things, you're the one doing the work. And the Spirit is inviting you to a relationship where, where this deep spiritual walk becomes organic and natural. You know, just because something is easier does not necessarily mean it's more natural. And, and truthfully, to, to live by the Spirit, to live in relationship with the Spirit, takes effort. It's not, it's not, I'm not saying it's easier but it's more natural to who you were created to be. And that's why I I, I found this to be true, that that sometimes people will get out and do their own thing, and their life will just become a chaotic mess. And and, and sometimes life's just chaotic, amen? In this world, you will have troubles. You know, Jesus said that, not, not me. Jesus said that. But then he says, "But take heart, I've overcome the world." In other words, Jesus is given this idea that sometimes chaos is around, but, but that doesn't mean we have to be chaotic. Paul's saying, "There's a natural way, a fruit. Of the Spirit. And this work of the Spirit is natural if we live in relationship. And these characteristics that we talk about are not something that you have to grit your teeth and work out, but the Spirit can grow these in you if you're submitted to the relationship and you allow the Spirit to move. He uses these two words works, deeds, which is plural, and fruit, which is singular. In other words, and you've heard this before, so I'm not going to spend a great deal of time. You can't pick and choose which fruits of the Spirit you want. It's like, well, I'll have a little bit of love and maybe a little goodness, but self-control is for somebody else. You know, all this is the fruit of the Spirit. And, and you know, don't, I'm not trying to cast any false guilt because all of us are works in progress, and, and, and God is working these fruits. And we'll, we'll talk later about these fruits it's growing but all of them are present in our life and growing to one extent or not, another. But then with regard to the works of the flesh, it's it's different. He, he uses plurals. In other words, it's possible to be doing well in one area, but not so well in another area. And that is not a mark that you're doing well. That That's a mark that, that there's still parts of the flesh that you're living to. For instance, uh, Probably you don't have any idols in your home, right? Hopefully, if you have idols in your home, come talk to me. We'll deal with that first. OK? Hopefully you're not practicing idolatry, but what about envy? You know maybe you're not drinking and carousing, and, and maybe you're not practicing immorality, but what about outburst of anger? E. Man, I don't like that one. Because I drive cars. You know, you can't say, oh, well, I'm pretty good on all these, but these two. Paul's saying, you know, if you're practicing any of these, then there's a problem you need to address. It's easy to condemn the sins we do not practice. Say that with me. It's easy to condemn the sins we do not practice. Churches have to do better about this. Uh, I mean, uh, there, there's all sorts of. <laughs> I always, I always kind of laugh. I don't laugh, but you know, it kind of strikes me as we we talk a lot about homosexual behavior in our church and in the church anymore, and you know, it's a sin. It, it is what it is. But in the same passages that talk about that, it'll say, "Do not lie." And, and so we're so quick. On that one, because it's not practiced here, but not so quick on the line. Um, May we be as clear on all sin as we are on the hot topics of the day. Um, Second thing I want you to say, or third thing, is fruit is a matter of growth. And we talked about this a little bit. Are you growing? Is your peace increasing? Is your love increasing? Is your goodness increasing? Is your self-control increasing? Is your trustworthiness increasing? Is God growing that fruit in your life? So what do we take away from all this? This, this week we're talking about what is the work of the Spirit. And, and I, I, you know, as we've talked about these, and we're, we're going to look at the individual elements of the fruit in just a second, but, but I believe this is, is what we take away. Relationship with the Spirit grows natural fruit, Genuine character, which leads to deeper relationships with God and others. This is the point of it all. It, it, the point of all that God is doing is to lead you into a closer relationship with Him. And a closer relationship with others. That's why Jesus says love is the point. Love is a relationship word. This is not just about character for the sake of character, but it's character that drives me, leads me, pulls me closer to God, and it's character that makes me better in this life so that I have deeper, more meaningful relationships with those around me. It's the point. This is not about religion, it's about relationship. It's why Jesus came to die, so that you can have a real relationship with God and a real relationship with others. So you can have a real, genuine, authentic, powerful relationship with your spouse, with your kids, with your parents, with your neighbors, with your coworkers, with your, your fellow students. Whoever it is, God is inviting us to love him more, and in the process of loving him more, learn to love each other more. It's where the Spirit's leading us. And all the fruit that we talk on, all these characteristic fruits, are, are not about some personal piety in and of itself. But it, but it's a characteristics. It's characteristics that lead me deeper into a love relationship with God and other people. So, so I guess probably before you begin to access or look at the individual fruit, I think the first question you ask is that: Am I? growing more in my relationship with God and am I growing more in my relationship with others? See, it's, you can't separate them. You can't somehow say, I am so spiritual, I am loving God, but man, I can't stand people. <laughs> it doesn't work. John says, how can you say you love God who you don't even see and not love your brother who you do see? So so these characteristics, it's not about, oh, I'm so shiny and I'm so good. (laughs) These are all characteristics that allow you to be a person that can love other people in a more effective, powerful, life-changing way. Love. This great word, agape, that, you know, agape love is is best demonstrated by Jesus. And, And when you see these words... I think that's where the growing aspect becomes important. Can can I tell you, I will never love like God loves. I I can be obedient to God, and in my obedience, his love can shine through. But but I'm telling you, right now, to love like Jesus loved, to love like God loves, what's what's the scripture that defines God's love most famously? Somebody tell me. For For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Think about that. I've got three boys. I'm not giving any of them for anybody. I mean, I'm just being honest with you. That, that's the extent of the father's love. The father's self giving love. And that's agape. Agape love is this giving of yourself, giving yourself away. <laughs> is that growing? Joy. And this is chara, not shara. What was the what was the okay, you guys, never no mind. A joy whose foundation is God. In other words, and this is is a joy that's not dependent on circumstances, but is dependent on God. This is the kind of person that, that could have a terrible week, but come in and praise God. Because their joy is not based on the circumstances of life, but they're based on the God that loves them. Peace, and the the Greek word here is erin, and you you can't think of peace in a biblical context without thinking of the great Hebrew word shalom, and shalom is this, not just this absence of conflict, but it's a a wholeness of life, and then we have patience with macrothumia, which is this forbearing, forgiving, patient attitude towards, towards others, in other words, this is just being patient, waiting for stoplights to change, but this is being patient with other people. That's a lot harder, isn't it? And so Paul's saying, this, one of the characteristics of the fruit is that you become more patient with other people and their failures when you deal with them. Kindness. Krestos. And, and this is... Um, this draws on the ideal when you think of kinship, think of the word kindness. And it's like offering hospitality like you would to one's own family. It's like what Bob Evans has on their wall we treat family like friends, right? Or fa- friends like family, yeah. Uh, and I always, when I say that, I always think, well, it depends on how you treat your family, whether I want to be treated like your friend. These are, these are practical things, by the way. This is, when you think of kindness, think hospitality. And, and so when you, when you think hospitality, um, you know, that's practically practiced in the church. Can I show you a way to be hospitable in the church? I'm going to show you whether you say yes or no. You might as well say yes, and that way you feel like you're participating, okay? So we'll, we'll pick on that. Here, I'm, let me take the offering. I'm sorry, Matt. This is. Let's pretend I don't know him. Here, here's hospitality in the church. Hi, my name's Paul. What's your name? Matthew. Matthew. You know, that's all it is. I, I mean, to a certain degree in this church, if we're going to be a hospitable church, it's, it's not about programs. It's about simple kindness. It's just treating people like you would want to be treated. Man, That's a hard concept to grasp, isn't it? (laughs) How would you want to be treated if you came into this place and you were a visitor and you didn't know anybody? Wouldn't you like it if somebody came up to you and said, hey, my name's Paul. That's my name, right? How are you doing? Welcome. How would you hear about us? Yeah, we're glad you're with us. Just little simple things. See, I think people that have these characteristics create communities of faith, create churches, create spaces where where their characteristics are just overwhelming. You know, I want to be a place. When, When we have somebody come in here, it's like they're drowning in love and kindness and peace. That, that it's just like, you know, maybe they've come into this place that's just been an overwhelming week, but they come in here and there's just this deep, settled, welcoming peace. Don't we want to be that place? And that happens through our relationship with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit grows these fruit. Goodness. This this is active goodness. This is generosity. This is this is not just I'm I'm so good. <laughs> but it's practicing active goodness, caring for other people, faithfulness. This being true to your word, trustworthy. If you say, I'm going to be there at 10 o'clock, you're there at 10 o'clock. Man, the, the, these are very difficult, aren't they? <laughs> Deep theological Concepts of being good and trustworthy and kind. Gentleness. Now now this is associated with that word meekness that you see in the Bible. And, and sometimes we, we begin to think gentleness and meekness is weakness. But, but meekness is strength under control. And so to be gentle is, is to have your power, your control, your strength submitted to God. The Bible says that Moses was the meekest man ever. I don't know about you, but Charlton Heston was never meek, right? But think about Moses, the story of Moses. Moses is like part in the Red Sea. Moses is this this warrior. Moses is this guy that takes people who are slaves and leads them out of captivity. And the Bible says that's what gentleness, that's what meekness looks like. And then finally, self-control. So what fruit are you producing in your life? Stand with me, if you will. We're going to be done here in a second. We're going to spend some time in prayer. But Are your significant relationships growing? Your relationship with your spouse, with your kids, with your friends, with your co-workers? Are your relationships growing? What about your relationship with God? Is your relationship with God a closer relationship today than it was a year ago, 10 years ago. So, something happens when we start serving God sometimes, and we, we begin to, to kind of know the things to do, that we stop thinking about the things we know we need to do. <laughs> That's confusing, but I think it's true. But, but I think it's possible to be, be, be so much in the church and, and know all the right things to do that that relationship can begin to suffer. And it's, it's not because you're wanting to do bad things. And it's not that you're wanting to stray, but it can almost just become dry. I don't think God wants us to have dry relationships. I think he wants them to be fresh. Maybe you've been hesitant in dealing with spiritual things because you think it's not you. And I want you to know it is you. It's who you were created to be. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, on a Sunday morning, you've never entered into a relationship with God. It's possible you've been here for a long time and you know all the things to do and all the things to say and all the clothes to wear and all the places to be and all the ways to give and all the ways, that, but, but it's, it's not personal. You now you, you could have been at this church for, for 60 years and, and never entered into a personal relationship with Christ or you may be new here. Maybe you were dragged here <laughs> and the Holy Spirit's speaking to you and, and maybe today's the day that you move past just observing and get to this point where you're living in this relationship with the Holy Spirit. Now, to enter into the relationship is pretty simple. We we use the phrase ABCs. Bob, you ever use that phrase, the the ABCs of salvation? And, and, you know, I I think we, we don't end there, but I think it's the place you start. Because then you enter into the discipleship and the growing process. But to begin into this relationship, you don't have to go like prove yourself because Jesus has already proven himself to you. And so we admit. We admit we're sinners. We admit that we fell. We admit we need relationship. We admit we're broken. We admit we need. We believe. We begin to believe that Jesus Christ came just for me. You know, he, he, his salvation, what he did on the cross was for me. And we claim. We, we claim him as Lord. And we, you know, it's as simple as that, just saying, Lord, I'm sorry, I believe in what you've done on the cross, and I want to serve you. That's the beginning of a relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you're there. I, I don't know. You know what I love about God's word? <laughs> These scriptures that we read today and this sermon, what we've talked about, touches someone in this room, everyone in this room to some degree. That's the wonder of God's word. That, that I can read a passage and I don't have to tweak it for each individual person. But, but as you're hearing this, the Spirit's doing the work and the Spirit's talking to our hearts what our need might be. Now, now the one thing, Amy, will you come and play if you don't care? We believe in altars here. I do. I believe altars are just a good place to, to meet with God. Not, you know, they're, they're just wood. And, and you know, I, I was entirely sanctified in a Toyota uh, Corolla. It wasn't even a Honda. And, you know, it's still stock. The altars are great places. They're, you know, there's something that happens. You know, you have to take a step out and you have to move forward. So that's a step of faith. You know, it's visible. It's, it's a good place to grab somebody's hand and say, hey, will you pray with me? And someone invite you. You know, if God's speaking to you, you need to talk to him this morning. I'm going to invite you to come and pray. I'm going to wait just for a few minutes, and then we're, we're going to give you some space to pray. Uh, and then after we've allowed movement, I'm going to allow you to sit down. But if you'd like to come and pray at the altars, come quickly. We praise you because you're worthy of praise. You are holy creator God. And yet, you're not separate from us. You know us. As the psalmist says, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. Well, we were knit together in our mother's womb. Our heavenly father was aware of us. So, you know us from before our first breath until our last breath. You know our thoughts, you know our needs. You know, right now, where each of us might be in our relationship with you. And Lord, it's easy to get caught up in the motions of religion, the doing and the not doing, and neglect the better things. There's nothing wrong with having high morals. Matter of fact, it's good. There's nothing wrong with having a disciplined lifestyle. That's good. But deep cries out to deep. And you cry out to us. You you invite us to this real, authentic, deep relationship with you that we find through the personality of the Holy Spirit. You did not leave us as orphans. You did not leave us alone. But Lord, you left your spirit to guide us, to embrace us, to allow us to sense your love and your care. So Lord, I pray that in my life, I will not settle for less. That Lord, I will... um, Seek what is natural and good, the fruit of the Spirit. That, Lord, as I find myself settling for other things, lesser things, that you will open my eyes, that you will make me aware, and, Lord, I'll respond with confession. I pray now, Lord, that... um, As we consider the words of this sermon, that we will um, live it and not just hear it. As we go from this place, may we demonstrate the characteristics, the fruit of the Spirit. May we love, may may we be kind, may we be self-controlled, may we have a peace, may we be, be... all these things, Lord, may, may, may they be part of our relationship with other folks. And just help us, Lord, to love fully as we've been loved. Now, Lord, I love you. I thank you for your presence here today. I've sensed you in both services. You've been here. And, Lord, I pray that um, whatever gaps this preacher's left, that you'll fill them in. that that your Holy Spirit will do a work that I can't do. And Lord, you'll just continue to guide us into a deeper relationship, a deeper maturity level in you. Be with us, keep us, and help us, Lord, just to bring glory to your name wherever we go today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.